1: Well, again, welcome everybody. Thank you so much for spending your Sunday morning with us, whether you're here in person or watching online, or some of you might be watching this or listening to this later on during the week. Uh, Just know that whenever... You are tuning into our service that you were prayed for, cared for, and loved, and we're so thankful for this opportunity to be here together. If, we, my, if we've not met yet, my name is JP, and I'd love to be able to get a chance to get to know you a little bit better um, after service. Now what I want to do, um, if you were with us last week, we had Dan Lewis um, shared uh, a, did a great job talking about the gratitude key and about how to have gratitude different difficult times. So yeah, you guys... Feel free, feel free to respond. I, I love it. And so he did uh, just a wonderful job in how gratitude or thankfulness can open the door to unlock God's will. And so he talked about that last week. And we're going to continue this series through Thanksgiving. But before we talk about the title, um, I just have a quick, I'm just going to do a quick poll. Uh, there's no, no judgment here. You're in a safe place. How many of you regularly write thank you notes to people? I know it's not as dramatic as I made it sound. I know, I get it. Um, now I know who I want to give the gifts to so I can receive a thank you note and respond. No. Um, recognizing, I, this is something that, how many of you grew up doing that? Maybe you, maybe you fell out of that, but you, you grew up doing that. So I never grew up writing thank you notes. Um, I'm a big, if you uh, know the five love languages, like I'm a big words of affirmation guy. Um, and so when I like giving them, uh, I like receiving them. Um, and words, and, and Words of affirmation in writing, for me, always mean so much because, you know, I can, for, you ever have a time where someone says something really nice to you and encouraging you, and by the end of the, the day, end of the hour, you've already forgotten what it was. You're like, I remember I liked what that person said, you know, but you don't remember. But having a note, they'll be able to write it down, and when someone sends you a note or gives you a note, and you're able to hold on to those. You know, we were looking and I saw um, in our board back there for local community involvement, um, we've had these, these thank you notes from um, Abraxas. Uh, it was a school right down the street that we help provide meals for um, and people go and they do some shopping at Costco and turn in uh, the receipts and provide meals there. And just things like these notes that we got a, a bunch of them a few about a year or two ago. Th- saying things like just thank you all the students of Abraxas, really appreciate your support and generosity. Your kindness helps to keep this school running. Things that say, thank you for your generosity and support for the students of Abraxas. We appreciate it. It's the people like you that make Abraxas the great school that it is. And thank you for all your donations and for all the support. We appreciate all that you do for us. Now, those are just a sampling of it, but it's recognized that when someone gives a gift or, and you receive a gift, it's that those, taking those few moments to write a thank you note can have a really big impact. In fact, to, to illustrate this, I mentioned I'm a words of affirmation person. So over the past several years in ministry, uh, when people would write thank you notes to me or encouraging notes, I'll keep them. So I thought it'd be fun if you guys just sat down and listened to all of them. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but it's, it's, it's these moments where, you know, people just saying, thank you for having this impact or thank you for saying this or thank you for doing these things. And I was reading them this morning, so I'm like, oh, I wonder if there's going to be a few of them that, you know, that I could um, really land on for the sermon. And it was just one of those things where it's just a reminder um, of just how blessed those words are when we give thanks to people. And how encouraging is this is for all of us, not just me, for all of us, this has been a difficult season. And we're probably all tired of people telling us about how difficult the season is. But even still, having reminders of knowing that you've had an impact on people, whether it's our church having an impact on Abraxas, whether it's individually because you gave someone a gift, they want to thank you, or whether it's because you've had an impact and they just said, thank you for being you or thank you for what you've done. Those words have an impact. And if you've been the recipient of those, you know what I mean. And if you've been blessed to be able to give those words and see the impact it has, you know what I mean as well. Today we're talking about, uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 17, and our passage, or our sermon series is called Thank You Notes, because we're going to look at this passage, we're going to see a lot of similarities about some people in it, we're going to notice one specific difference and unpack what that looks like for our own lives, especially in our series called Thanks and Giving, but before we unpack the scripture, I would ask you you join me in a word of prayer as we get ready for what God has for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much uh, for each person who is here. And by here, I mean live in person or watching online. God, we're so grateful um, for this opportunity to worship you. Uh, We're grateful that we could join our voice in a chorus of your kingdom across this world with billions of people praising your name within this day. God, we thank you that now we could dive into your word. And I pray that as we do so, Lord, that I would decrease, that you would increase, that you would speak in a personal, powerful, impactful way to each and every one of us. And I pray that every person who hears my voice knows that they are deeply loved by you and that you are the one that can give us our ultimate hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I said, we're going to be in Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 11. We're reading these uh, verses 11 through 19 this morning. And I want to dive right into the passage as we uh, look at the, the time that we have together. That this is a story um, when Jesus is going to do something miraculous. And again, we're going to notice some similarities between the people that are healed. But we're going to need to pay attention to the key difference and what that looks like for us. So we're just going to jump right in, starting in verse eleven, Luke 17, verse 11. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Now, there's a lot of cultural background I want to give here to kind of give a little bit of of, of some insight of what this looks like. So, First thing that we need to be aware of is that leprosy. When it says leprosy in the passage, there, it's not um, it's not purely what we think of as leprosy. Uh, when I went to India um, in 2005 on a missions trip, we We've we finished. That's not even a word. Uh, we visited a uh, a leper colony um, in India. It was the one that would make. Um, all the clothes for the missionaries of charities, the the Mother Teresa's, um, the missionary charity that uh, nuns that she works with. There's a there's a particular community that helps make those in order to give them purpose and in order to have them still be able to serve. And so we went and we visited there, and that you know I got to see people that were missing um, you know fingers or or things like that. And so it's it's a little it's shocking, but you know they're they're just very gracious and very uh, very kind. When it says leprosy here, it actually kind of means like any skin disease. So like I looked it up, like it could be like psoriasis, right? It could be something where it's splot, like there's psoriasis, but it's not leprosy full on. And I get like eczema in the winter, so my hands just feel great right now. Um, But recognizing that even in like if there's any skin disease or anything like that, that this is not just, oh, they're lepers. It's like any of us, like some of us in this room would have had to be on the outside. Now, why do they have to be on the outside? In this case, notice how it talks about how they shouted or they stood at a distance. Why is it that they had to stand at a distance? Now, what we learn from the Old Testament, from the Hebrew scriptures, is the idea that there were, if something was unclean, if someone had a skin disease, Leviticus 14 talks about how someone would be able to be seen or viewed as being clean from that disease and the process they would have to go through. Now why is that important? Let's go ahead and pull up the next slide here. This comes from a textbook that I took or that I um, read for one of my uh, master's classes Um, through Hope International University, and it's called The Cycle of Sanctification, specifically focused on the book of Leviticus. Now, I know I'm going to say a lot of big words here. Some of these will be familiar for us. Some of them won't, but bear with me because I think if we could lock in for the next few moments of what this means, it'll have an impact on our passage, and it'll have an impact on our understanding of what's going on here. So, what I want to do is I'm going to stand in the middle, and in the middle are the objects that are clean, okay? Now, There are two different types of objects or things or people or things like that that are viewed in the Old Testament. Why? Because God is so holy and so pure that he could not have something that was unclean and come into interaction with him. In fact, if you look at Exodus and the making of the tabernacle, or if you look at different things, you will note how great detail is put into how certain things and certain utensils had to be made for that would be holy and set apart for the use of the tabernacle in God's um, and for the worship of God. That. You could not just grab, like, I couldn't just grab my tumbler or my Contigo mug, as great as it is at keeping things warm. I couldn't just use that, like, wash, have a drink, wash it out, and then start using it to give God glory through worship. There had to be a process, and there had to be something in which things were made holy. Now, all objects were common until they became clean or unclean. Again, I know I'm going kind of fast here, so give me a moment. So if something was clean, it meant that it was ceremonially clean. There was nothing that was besmirching it, no no blemishes, nothing that was hindering it from being able to be, to potentially be close to God or be used in the worship of God. Yet, they had to go through a process of sanctification before it can be used as holy. So just because something was clean, didn't mean that it was holy. Now let's take a few steps back. If we're starting clean, the lepers, they were on the outside. They stood at a distance because of their skin disease. They were considered unclean. So if you're living in this paradigm where you recognize there's unclean, then you have to be cleansed just to become clean. And then you'd have to be sanctified in order to be holy. You recognize that there's a distance not only physically between them shouting because they didn't want to get too close to other people, but there was a distance relationally to God where they think, I'm never going to be able to get close enough to him, to worship him. Because I'm unclean. Also, when I went to India, there's an example of this, was when there were on the different castes and systems within the Hindu culture, where the reason that Mother Teresa Holmes had such a big impact was because they were loving the unlovable. There's this lower caste system of the untouchables who were so low that you couldn't even, if you touched them, you would be made unclean, or you would have this issue. Again, that's why the nickname was the Untouchables. And so it was this example of what she did is she went and she prayed for them and touched them. And, and when I was there, there we were in um, Caligat, which was the, the Mother Teresa main home. And there, there was the home for the dead and the dying. And there was a man who was on a cot and I just had a little bit of oil and was just rubbing his arm just lightly and gently, but he just was, you know, um, just able to enjoy it because they, we couldn't speak the same language. But love knows, love knows no linguistic barriers. You can love someone without knowing what they're saying. You can love someone without having that be an issue, right? And so being able to just show love to someone and to show care... Goes a long way. Why? Because if someone is living in a system and a paradigm and a mindset that because I'm untouchable, I can't be loved, then God is gonna seem distant, not just physically, but relationally. And so they're shouting at Jesus from a distance, not shouting like anger, but shouting, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, this word have mercy, I just, it's, uh, some of your versions may say have pity and maybe have compassion this idea, but they didn't say heal us. They just said have mercy on us, and Jesus says, he tells them in verse 14, he says, go, it's, it's still the passage we just read, uh, the verse I just read. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests, because the process that would happen is when someone was unclean, once they were able to once the the psoriasis went away or once the skin disease went away, if it wasn't a permanent thing, then they would have to go to a priest. And in Leviticus 14, we're not going to read it, but you can jot a note down if you want the context there. Leviticus 14 talks about the process, how they would go to a priest. The priest would inspect them and to make sure that, yes, your skin disease now has gone. Then you would have to present, there'd be a seven day waiting period before you could then go see your family. And then you'd have to offer up a sacrifice. And it was only when all of those contingencies were taken care of that you were now moved from unclean to clean. So people who were unclean, the reason that these 10 were together is because they were separated from their families. They couldn't go into the village. They had to have a community of other broken people, other hurting people, other people who felt ostracized and left out so they formed a community there, but they still long to go back to their families. Imagine having psoriasis or skin disease and not being able to see your spouse or your kids. Imagine not being able to do that because of something you couldn't control, and yet there you are on the outside looking in at a distance. So here's the beauty of this is that when he says, go and do that, what does it say? Verse 14, as they were going, they were cleansed. As they were going, they were cleansed. Here's what verse 15 says. Then one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back. Ten people experienced a miracle. One person gave thanks to God. 10 of them were able to see how Jesus worked. And as they were going, now all of them had to have some contingency of faith or some dynamic of faith. Why? Because he said, go to the priests. And they did. So there had to be some faith for them to hear Jesus's words and then say, okay, we're going to go. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Let's put it this way. Sometimes, there are things in our lives that we are praying for, and we're asking God, why is, not, why is this not happening? Lord, have mercy on me. And there are some times when God is calling us to obedience and to step out in faith before the miracle comes. And that's not, a, that's not like a guilt thing, like it's all up to us. But there are times in which our faith and stepping out and being obedient to what Jesus says or what God says in his word can be the first step towards the miracle realized. We don't get to wait for the miracle to happen and then follow Jesus. Why? Because faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see yet. We walk by faith, not by sight. So if we wait for the miracle and then say we follow Jesus, then that miracle will help us in our faith, but but it's not the same idea as stepping out in faith first and then seeing how God responds. So can we go back to that verse real quick? I wanted to highlight the idea of praising God. One of them was praising God in a loud voice. As I was studying this week, uh, Luke um, will use this verbiage in a loud voice uh, in a, f- a few different places throughout the gospel. And if that sounds familiar, it's because f- three or four verses ago, it just said, the people, the, they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And then now one came back to praise God in a loud voice. And I wonder how many times we ask God for something and we plead and we beg and we ask and we cry out and when he responds and when he does it, is our praise in just as loudest voice as our prayers? Or do we cry out to God and then go about our day without stopping and saying thank you. A Couple days ago, I was uh, going on a, I was finding a geocache on a small hike. Like I use the hike very liberally. It was like, it was like, I don't know, a thousand feet up of a semi hill, but it was a hike. Um, And so I got out, um, I was driving Steph's 4Runner, got out of the car, uh, walked up there, Not just like this, that'd be weird. Uh, But I walked up there, uh, found the geocache, found two of them, actually came back. And then when I came back up and I went to unlock the key on the, because I have a forerunner, so I have to like, you know, there's a little um, foot thing. And sitting there just right plain as day was my wallet that had been there the whole time I was gone. Again, thankfully it was a short hike, but it's one of those where what's the first thing that I do? well, that's about right. I should get this. Back. No, no. I'm like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Because you know, even in the little things, how important it is to thank God. Similarly, when I was working at Macaroni Grill in 2005, um, in 2006, I was working on the Friday night shift, Friday or Saturday. It was a weekend shift, and I was a server. And I remember I had a 1996 Volkswagen Jetta. Super classy. And so I— um, you know, I had, you have to, you put your key in and you push it back twice in order to lock it or you push it back forward once to unlock it. So um, I had my, my white dress shirt on. I had my tie that a uh, macaroni girl has very like bright color ties. Um, and then you have your, uh, like your where their server, where your pens go, where your um, thing you take orders on. And I was getting that all ready to go. I go in, work for a six hour shift, come back and my keys were still in the door. And what do I say? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Because that would have been the easiest car to sell. But you know what, you know what they say, right? Or to steal. You know what they say? The best success or the best safety or security against getting your car stolen is parking next to a nicer car, right? You know what I'm saying? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Think about it for a second. So with that said, though, I joke about it, but here's the thing. All those things are little things, right? But you say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Imagine being one of these 10 people who's been on the outside, and all you want to do is seize your family. And Jesus, master, not, they don't call him teacher. They call him master. There's already at least some semblance of respect and faith there. And as they do that, he says, go to the priests. And they're doing that, and they're getting healed, and they're looking at each other and saying, you're healed, and I'm healed. And, and look, it's coming. And they keep going. And we could stop right there and say, and they just kept doing what Jesus told them to do. Like they were still being obedient. In fact, we don't even know in the story whether or not they made it to the priests. We don't know if they went through the seven-day ritual of being ceremonial and clean. We don't know if they just went back to their family. We don't know why, because it's not the point. The point wasn't whether they went or not or what they did. The point is on the character, on the person that we follow in this story. It's the fact that one came back and he praised God in a loud voice. I don't want to show of hands because I don't want to potentially offend anybody, but do you know or live with or work with or around people who are just loud talkers? No show of hands. I don't want you to feel bad, but people that they're very close to you and they're like, but I want to do stuff. And you're like, I'm right here. <laughs> like we can just commute or communicate closely nearly. Um, and so my girls can be, um, a little, uh, volume, uh, enthused. And so just recognize that, they're praising, uh, you know, he, he's praising God in a loud voice. The same measure to which they, pr- he pr- they prayed to God is the same measure to which he praised God. The same amount of time we are praying over something ought to be the same amount of time we are praising God for that thing when he answers it. It's not a please do this, please do this, please help me with this, help me with this, and say, okay, thanks God, and just keep going about our day. Last week, Dan talked about gratitude in difficult times, and Equally hard at times is for us to be grateful when things are going really well. Because we can just say, we can go to God in our need, and we can pat our own backs in our comfort. Rather than praise, praising God in our need and, when we need and when we are comforted. So, we look at this. They, they were standing at a distance because they were unclean. They're going, and they're made clean, and he's praising God with a loud voice. And then let's look at the last few verses together as we close out the passage and the story. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. Now if you notice in the verse I read just before this, there's that In most of your Bible versions, if you're reading it, there's like a hyphen or a dash, and it says, and he was a Samaritan. Why does it say that? Because that was a big deal, that there were a group of either, it could have been all nine Jewish men and one Samaritan, or a mix of the two, but we know there's at least the only one that came back to praise God or to bow down to Jesus and worship him was the Samaritan. We see the same thing happen in Luke chapter 10 when it's the parable of the good Samaritan. The ones you expect to help the man on the side of the road is not the one who helps. And Luke is expanding. He's pointing to the fact that we can't look down on other people because we think they're different when they're the ones that maybe are showing faith in a powerful way. That there were divides between Samaritans and Jewish people and that was a a real rift there. And there are real rifts that we see In various different ways in our lives, in our world, in our culture. But faith in God stands out. And it stood out all the more to the readers and to us as we read it. Because they say, the ones you'd expect to praise God with a loud voice. The ones that go to church, if I were to contextualize it. The ones that go to church every weekend. The ones that are in a Bible study that serve a couple times a month. The ones that do pray before their meals and they do have a quiet time. They kept going. And it's the one who just found out about Jesus who came back and praised him in a loud voice. So that's why Jesus says, were there not nine others? And the only one who came back is this foreigner? Does that mean he's dismissing the man as a foreigner? No, it means he's highlighting the difference. He's highlighting what it is that ought to make the power of his faith stand out. And then he talks about how rise up and go Your faith has made you well. See, I mentioned earlier the sly that has about unclean, clean, and holy. If you notice in the verbiage there, unclean, you get cleansed, and then you're made clean. The other nine, all ten actually, were cleansed. But the the verbiage here when Jesus doesn't say—he doesn't say— Um, rise up and go, your faith has cleansed you. He's already been cleansed. He says, rise and go because your faith has made you well. The first one is the idea of a healing of a a physical disease. The second one is the idea of of a rescuing from a prison. In fact, it's the same word that we get the idea of being, your faith has saved you, is what some of your versions will say. See, we're going to play a game in the next couple of minutes. I, I apologize in advance. I know this is going to be a little small for, for some of us, and by some of us, I mean me. Um, but we're going to do very briefly a uh, can you spot the difference picture by picture puzzle. You know what I'm talking about? So those of you who are listening to the podcast later on, I apologize. Just know that the next five minutes were really fun. Uh, but... Um, <laughs> But I wanna go ahead and show this and I wanna actually hear some interactions. There's 10 different differences. So let's go ahead and put these up here. And if you see one, can you just go ahead and mention what it is out loud? Yeah, just go ahead and say it. The book color, yep, what else? The wine color, good, good, what else? Uh, Apron color. Wine label, wine label, very good, what else? The tie is opposite. opposite. Smiles. Smiles, that one I think is... I think those ones are are, are pretty much the same. The color apron. I think we heard that one already. What else? The kite. Yep. The kite in the back. You guys are doing awesome. Um, Anything else? The pencil cup. What is it? What's the difference? Do You guys see that on the back shelf? That one took me a while. Very good. I love it. I think we have seven. There might be a couple more. Any others you guys can think of right away? Yes. Yes, very good. The French press thing. I don't know if that's what it is. I just called it. But it, like it's facing the other direction. Very, very good. When the bottle the label on? Yes, the bottle, the label, and one of them does it. So I think there are two left. Let's, let's for, for the lack of suspense, let's just go ahead and uh, move on. Um, there are two others. Let's go to the answer key, uh, the next one here. Um, I don't know if you can see. Can you see those red circles or those too small? Yeah. You can kind of see them. So what you'll notice is over the woman's right ear. um, There's no light bulb in one of them. Okay. And then the other one, this one is not fair because I was looking at on a screen right in front of me if I couldn't see it. He's missing one button on his vest. And you're like, all right, that's ridiculous. So, um, but you guys did really, really well. You got eight out of the 10. It was really, really good. You guys did a a wonderful job. So um, here's, here's the point. The whole point of this puzzle, or this, this, this game, spotting the difference, is recognizing that most of the things are the same, but highlighting the things that are different. That, that's what the point is. You don't look and say, oh, look how they look the exact same in this way, or look how this is, the, that's not what your attention is drawn to. Often in the stories of the Gospels, and, and the story of the Bible, but Often when we see these things, that all of this is God-breathed, and we believe in God's word, and we recognize that it is, it is all God-breathed, and it is useful for rebuke and encouragement and challenging, but we only get a certain amount of stories in here. It's kind of like if you ever watch a movie or a TV show, and if you're watching a scene and you just think to yourself, why is this scene here? You know that there has to be a point. Why? Because if there was no point, it just wouldn't be in the movie. See, at the end of the Gospel of John, he talks about how all, if, if all of the things that were written about Jesus were to be said, it would fill all the pages of all the books in the world. Now, why is this one here? It's because we want to spot the difference between the one who came back and the other nine who kept going. So let's, take, let's look at some four observations Very brief observations. We've actually hit on most of these already, but we just want to summarize and tie it together at the end of our time together here. Four observations about the 10th leper. The first one, all 10 spoke to Jesus from a distance, but only one bowed at his feet. All of them started far from God and far distant um, geographically or locationally, they were far from God but only one was able to bow at his feet and to relationally draw near to him. All ten spoke to Jesus from a distance. Only one bowed at his feet. Number two, all ten cried out in a loud voice, but only one praised God in a loud voice. When things are going well, do you, do I, do we... Just keep going and assume things will go well without stopping and say, thank you, thank you, thank you. My wallet is still in my car. Thank you, thank you, thank you. My key is still in the car door. Thank you, thank you, thank you that somehow you've saved me from all of these horrible car things I'm not very good at remembering. But in our lives, we can use silly examples, but we can use a silly example to highlight the important ones. The things that you have been praying for, when God answers those prayers, and we, do you praise God with the same volume of a loud voice as you do when you cry out in prayer? I know I don't always. I would like to think I would more. But this is a sermon I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to you. Number three. All ten had some faith, right? They still had to walk and to actually take Jesus at his word. All ten had some faith, but only one had saving faith. Jesus only says to the one, your faith has made you well. Or again in the Greek, it's your faith has saved you. They all had some faith. In fact, some of us in this room, we've at some point maybe have seen God do something amazing in our lives. And many of us, praise God, and we stop there, and we go back to Jesus. We bow at his feet. We say, thank you for rescuing me from this, for healing me of that, for saving this person or working in this situation, and we give him praise. Some of us do that sometimes, and then other times we just keep going. And we would be remiss. We would be remiss if we didn't stop and thank God for all that he's done. We'd be remiss if we just kept walking And didn't stop to thank him and saying, thank you, thank you, thank you for things little and small. And then we all have some faith. If you're here this morning, if nothing else, if you don't know Jesus yet, if you're still on your journey, if nothing else, you had enough faith that you could at least come to a place and be in a safe place to be able to hear about God. You had enough faith to walk into a church room or to to turn on a church service online. And even that enough is some faith. But if we don't clearly declare who Jesus is, then my hope and prayer is that all of us who hear my voice would not just have some faith, but would have saving faith. And to come into that right relationship with him where we don't have to feel like we're at a distance anymore, but that we could bow at his feet. And fourth, all 10 were cleansed, but only one was saved. Only one was made well. Only one had not just a physical issue resolved, but had a spiritual distance that was bridged. All 10 were cleansed, but only one was saved. So I'll leave that up just for another couple seconds because I know some of you might be writing it down. But looking through this list, the question we have next is we see the similarities. All 10 were this, but only one was that. We see the similarities. So going to the next slide, can you spot the difference? Johnny Erickson Tata shares, uh, she's a woman who, uh, she had a a diving accident in the seventies and, and she, um, I believe it was the seventies. And so she became a quadriplegic because she misjudged the distance when she was diving, became a quadriplegic and she ended up learning how to paint, uh, using a paintbrush in her mouth. And so she ended up, um, her, her paintings got sold. She started, uh, she wrote a biography. A movie came out about her and people found out about her faith in Jesus. And she struggled and it was really hard. But then she created an organization called Johnny and Friends. And so if you ever want to be encouraged, they have like four minute encouragements and then one minute encouragement. So it's enough for our day. Um, but one of the things that she says, she was specifically talking about this passage. And when she highlights the difference, I, I think we can land on it here together today. She says, the 10th leper reminds me to return to the Lord to thank him. That was the difference. They came back to Jesus. He didn't fulfill, the, 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 he didn't, they didn't go and get cleaned. He didn't go and try to get into society. He, he stopped and before he could do anything else, he could not help but praise the God who healed him with a loud voice and bow at his feet and give him glory the 10th leper reminds me to return to the Lord to thank him. Why did I start this idea with, or the sermon with thank you notes? I'm a words of affirmation guy. I love writing. And I think that there's something really powerful when we stop and we could thank God for things. This past week, um, I went to Lake Poway for uh, about an hour or two in the morning and just needed to get away and to slow down and to pray. And, um, I have a, uh, an app on my phone where I do different prayers uh, that are guided. And um, I was scrolling down, like, which one should I look at? And, like, there's one called gratitude. I was like, oh, man, I'm preaching in four days. I better click that one. And so I um, ended up clicking that. And what it did is just, like, it was just, it causes you to slow down. And it starts thinking about what's, what are some big things and small things you're thankful for? I was praying about that. And it says, what's one person you are thankful for? Or one situation or one group of people? And so, um, and then it says, picture that person's face. And so I'm picturing Steph and I'm picturing uh, her face and just when, yeah, just all these things and she's just so fun and so sweet and she does little idiosyncrasies that I love and recognizing like just so thankful for her. Ignatius of Loyola talked about how he thinks, I'm not, his perception is that ingratitude, lacking gratitude, is one of the worst sins. Why? Because if we're truly grateful for what we have, and if we're truly grateful for, you know, if, if Adam and Eve were truly grateful for all they'd been given, they would have not sinned. Because they would have been looking at the giver of the gifts rather than the gift they don't have. So just being so grateful for Steph and it's like, this is a good one to do when you're going through a hard time. And so just being able to thank God for her. And as I'm doing that, I hear uh, this loud noise behind me. And I'm just kind of like, don't you guys know I'm praying? Um, just kidding. And as I'm, as I'm listening to it, though, I'm listening. There's a group of about eight women who uh, just are pre- playing worship songs and are just singing out, praising God in a loud voice. And it was just this powerful moment of, okay, God. And so I just like, I like creepily just went from like, like where I was sitting and like, just like go and sat down. Cause I just wanted to be closer to the praise. It wasn't creepy. I wasn't, you know, <laughs> I wanted to be closer to the praise. Cause sometimes when we struggle, we just need to be closer to people who are praising God to allow that to encourage us up and lift us up. Now, we are not, please do not hold me and my family up as a paradigm of perfection. We are not. Uh, we are fellow journeymen and journeywomen on this uh, walk with the Lord. But several years ago, um, we, had, we started a gratitude journal called, and we have, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his love endures forever. And we used to do it weekly, uh, and we got out of habit for a little while, and then we would get back into, we got out of habit I'm ashamed to admit that the last time we wrote something in here was November 26, 2020 on Thanksgiving Day. Um, so it's been almost a year. But it's little things like just being able to ask each person in our family, what are you thankful for? And sometimes it was things like, I'm grateful, f- I'm thankful for the fact that, you know, the girls be like, that our f- grandparents are coming in town. Or I'm thankful for a friend at school, or you say, I'm grateful for our church, or I'm grateful for this friendship. And it's just the act and the the discipline of writing them down, similar to the thank bank that that Dan shared with us last week, writing it down and reading it again this week, earlier today, looking, I'm like, I have so much to be thankful for. And I would be remiss if I just kept going on my way and going about my day without stopping and saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. And so I would encourage today, as we close, some of you need to write, not need to, sorry, that that came out harsher than I meant to. Some of you, it would be beneficial to write a thank you note to God for something. Something that maybe is kind of in your rear view, you were really worried about, and now it's behind you. You say, I don't think I properly praise God in a loud voice for that. Maybe today, you just, or this week, you write in a journal or a card, or you just, you write those prayers out. You don't have to write it, he'll know, but... Maybe that will help a tangible reminder like this journal is for us. Maybe some of you can write a thank you note to someone in your life who's had an impact or is having an impact. It's how easy it is for us to go about our day on our way, but those notes make a difference. Have these from probably some of them eight, ten years ago. And they still encourage you have the ability to do that to others as well. So Thank you notes, the reason we don't always do them is because we get the gift and we're excited about the gift and we don't always stop and say thanks. Let us not be those people when it comes to God and what he's done in our lives. Let's not stay at a distance, let's bow at his feet. Let's not um, get to the point where we're just praying in a loud voice but not praising, let's praise in a loud voice too. And let's recognize that he has not just cleansed us, but he has healed us and made us well. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for who you are, and I thank you for uh, each person that is watching or listening right now. God, I pray that you would be stirring in their hearts, um, stirring in their hearts either something for which they, want, they ought to thank you for, uh, that you're bringing to mind something that, we've been pr- that they've been praying about, and we need to thank you for it. Maybe bringing to mind someone that we are thankful for, that we can encourage in this season. But Lord, I pray that as we spot the difference between the other nine who were cleansed and only one who was made well and saved, God, I pray that we would remember, as Johnny Erickson us, said, to go back to you, Lord, and thank you for what you've done, what you are doing, and what you're going to do. So Lord, I pray that you would meet us here now and speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the podcast. We want to be a church where people are changed by God to change the world. If you want to partner with us in this way, you can start by doing these two things. The first, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, you can do that by hitting the subscribe button wherever you're listening so you can stay connected with us and we can broaden our reach. And the second, and this might be the most important thing you do, share this message with someone you know. And as always, remember, we're prayed for, cared for, and loved. See you next time.